does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. Now, Eddie, do you want to know a side of my maturation? What did you say? I'm sorry. Do you want to know a side of my maturation? Aside from the gray in my hair? You are playing ELO, and I am refraining from telling my Tom Allen story for the wow. 37th time. I remembered this time. Aren't you proud of me? Yes. Is and it my youth? And it- we don't need to mention to Joel Erickson the part about the weird arena in Milwaukee being named for serial killers because we already <laughs> went over that. So we don't have to play as maniacal. Do we have his maniacal after anyway, though? He chuckled. That, that is a true story. Look it up. That's a true story. Yeah, there we go. That's Joel Erickson, who's down in the lab. He joins us now talking about the Colts. Uh, Joel, before we begin, by the way, Joel Erickson of the Indianapolis Star talking about the Colts taking on the Pittsburgh Steelers this weekend. I, I will say again, and then I'll leave it because I'm sure our listening audience is tired of hearing me talk about it. Uh, spent the weekend in Milwaukee and my annual December trip up there with Shannon. Uh, and I know that Milwaukee is not your hometown, but it's your home state. Um, easily, easily one of the three most underrated and fun-loving cities in America. Agree? Yeah. No, it's it's great. And, like, you can get you can get a hotel downtown pretty easy a lot of the time. You, just have, you can have a real nice time down there. Yeah, oh, yeah. I totally agree with that. No, we stayed at the Ambassador. It was built in like 1920. It was cool. It had the old school elevators, and it was a nice I – mean, it was great. You know? Is that the haunted one? No, that's the um, – how's it pronounced? Um, how, how's it pronounced? P-F-I-S-T-E-R, however you want to yeah, pronounce it. Yeah, I actually it. don't know how it's pronounced, but right. it's the, that's the one that like the baseball players won't stay at. Right. Correct. Um Hey, here's the th- here's the thing, Joel, and then we'll get to talking about the Colts. I I had forgotten this, and I'll and I'll forget about it in another week, and then be reminded of it next December. But you growing up in Wisconsin, and maybe this is part of why you have uh, a, an oddly sadistic laugh when somebody mentions <laughs> Jeffrey Dahmer. Uh, what do you do about the fact that it gets dark at like three o'clock in the afternoon in the wintertime there? Uh, it, it's not great. I mean, you just. It's also so cold, though, that you're just not outside. Now, growing up, I grew up on a dairy farm, so I was, like, sometimes, like, in the barn and stuff when it was dark. And that's that's rough. It's really rough when it's, like, dark and cold and it's 4 p.m. But, now, yeah, there's there's nothing you can really do about it. You just ha- hang have, on. To, have to hang on. And bear it. Since you grew up on a dairy farm, and we will, again, save the Colts for one more question here, I, I must ask. I don't know if you know, but cow was my first word. I had a, I was given a stuffed cow when I was an infant. I still have it. Um, my goal in life is to have a pet cow. Now, are they? Do they make good pets? <laughs> I I would not say that they make good pets. Um, you know, I, I guess I, they're okay as like, you know, some people have them as like kind of like lawn ornaments if they have big if they have big property where they mm-hmm. you know they have cows but they're just kind of there to eat grass and look good. But I don't know about good pets. They're they're not the cuddliest things. But 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 they're not like they don't. I mean, they don't go out drinking and stuff like that, right? I mean, they're relatively docile, are they not? They're relatively docile, but they they also really at least the ones I grew up around really didn't like to be in the fence they were supposed to be in. That's most of my issue with cows is how many times they leave the fence that they're That's, supposed to be in. Okay, well, <laughs> all right. So I'll just get a cow and we'll just be rebel rousers together, right? 
And then, <laughs> yeah. and when I and when my cow proves to be a great pet, it'll be example number two. While you're a psychopath, okay, that's cool. You, you, yeah. you need to get a you need to get a cow, and then just just be aware you might need to apologize to your neighbors a lot. Well, I'm not going to have neighbors when I listen. I'm I'm going to buy massive amounts of land in Wyoming and never be heard from again, which will actually be to the joy of many people listening right now, I'm sure. Um, okay, Joel, so let's begin with this. Um, yesterday, Kevin Bowen had mentioned it. Brendan and I talked about it earlier. Jonathan Taylor, your guess on return date. I, I don't think this week. Um, maybe next. I, I've seen him around. I've seen him around here in the facility. They're they're actually out. They're actually out at practice right now. Um, but obviously he would have, he was listed with a DNP. I, I think, I think maybe, you know, next week's four weeks. Maybe, maybe we start thinking about it then. We, I've seen him around. We haven't got a chance to talk to him yet though. Now, do you believe, and, and by no means am I trying to, to make something out of nothing. I, I'm actually trying to avoid that. Um, initially speaking, do you think the Colts as an organization were 100% on board with him going to Los Angeles to get that procedure? Or did they? Was there some thought of, hey, we should have given this a glimpse of playing through it? Um, all, all I know is that Shane Steichen, when he when we asked him about this, was like, we we're worried about him being able to hold the football and pass block and stuff like that. My understanding of the UCL is it like basically kind of keeps your thumb attached, and they, I, I, that that was my understanding was that they were pretty worried about you know like ball security issues and stuff like that. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. The um, Joel Erickson is our guest from the Indianapolis Star. Joel, in terms of the Cincinnati game, we talked about this the other day, so I want your opinion on it. Late in the year, oftentimes, when teams lose games, it's because there is enough irrefutable evidence of areas of weakness that are finally becoming exploited because there's a you know they could see look these were not anomalies these are areas to attack this specific team did cincinnati do that or it, is this an area where you look at it and go yeah they had an off day and no real area of concern that they can't bounce back against pittsburgh no, I, I I actually thought that there that that's what Cincinnati did was they did put all the Colts' weaknesses on display pretty well. You know, the we we all know you can't ask Gardner Minshew to win the entire game by yourself, but if they can't run the football at all, that's inevitably what you're asking the quarterback to do is win the game by himself. And you know, it did not go well. Uh, I don't think that surprises anybody. They've also been kind of flirting with some of these performances offensively with, with the bad running game. Like, do you think back to Carolina and New England? You know, they, they won both those games, but they only scored 10 points against New England. 
The offense, I think, only scored 13 against Carolina. It's the same type of thing. Like, not a ton of running game. Not quite as bad as it was on Sunday, but not a ton of running game. And everything on the passing game, and the passing game unable to hold its weight. I, I do think that they've got to figure out a way to start running the ball again, if, if only because you can't ask Gardner Minshew to – to win the whole game by himself. He's a backup quarterback. That's, that's, that's just not a formula for success. And then the other thing is, we've said all along, I think, that, you know, one of the things about this Colts schedule is it is not full of quarterbacks who can take advantage of a young and um, very volatile secondary. And I don't know that Jake Browning is necessarily the best person for that, but if you look at the Bengals' receivers, and I know Jamar Chase didn't have a huge day, but after talking to Gus Bradley, it sounds like they were so worried about Chase that they kind of gave up some, you know, the screen and some of this other stuff. It, that's the kind of team that has always been uh, a potential problem for this defense. This defense is, is heavily reliant on the pass rush because the pass rush takes away some of the issue for the coverage. And if you have a quarterback who's smart enough to get the ball out quick um, or, or in their case to run screens and, and do play action and stuff like that, and you have good receivers, you, you can get to the secondary. And I think, you know, Cincinnati kind of did all of that all that stuff. Now, whether or not Pittsburgh, with Mitch Trubisky and some of their offensive issues, can do it is probably another question. Hey, Joel, good to hear your voice. Uh, so no Braden Smith yesterday in the walkthrough participation. Kevin just tweeted he's not at practice today. Uh, do you get a sense that he'll play again this year? I, I think if they were sure he wouldn't play again next year, he would be on IR. Um, you know, but it, it also is, it also does make me wonder with Jared Beldier here, you know, even on the practice squad, because you can just elevate him if you want to. I, I wonder if this is going to be another lengthy absence like the first one was. They, they've given us almost nothing on a timeline, but it does seem like, you know, I, I can't imagine, I just can't think of any other reason why you would sign uh, a 36-year-old tackle who hasn't played in three years unless you're thinking that maybe you might have an issue uh, at right tackle. Uh, but if, if they if they knew for sure that he wasn't going to play the rest of this year, he'd be on IR. By the way, by the way Joel, I just got a, a tweet here um, that says cows actually make great pets. Uh, dairy cows are totally different. Cows make awesome pets. I have two, and all they want to do is cuddle all the time. Now, that might be rough. I've only got a California king. Uh, cows are really good <laughs> pets if you have the room. Now, did you have dairy cows or, or unfortunately, beef cows? No, we're Wisconsin. We're dairy. Yeah. Okay, so that, so dairy cows are the ones that are they just want to run away. Is that right? Well, uh, that was my experience. My experience was that they they just they're constantly looking for new places to graze, and they break through the fence and – that's. I mean, you know, I was I was in my teens and didn't want to have to run through a field to go chase some cows. So I, I probably have a uh, a little bit. Uh, but there's there's also a piece of this too where like I think it's different when a, it's probably different when a cow is like your pet or your hobby, mm-hmm. and it's different when your cow is like your livelihood. I think that's probably a big difference uh-huh. here too. Well, yeah. I mean, and here's the thing, cows. I, I here's what I think is the issue, Joel. I think for me, cows would know when they see me, I'm a cuddler. And with you, they'd know you're a little off. I think that's probably what the issue is, right? I mean, you're running around and, you know, you're you're running around in Milwaukee Brewer tank tops. I mean, come on, you, you know? I mean, I, 
I don't think I don't think it's I don't think cows have a great sense of who they're dealing with. No, I don't think they're like dogs that way. Okay, I think they're very keen. To be honest with you, um, Braden Smith, by the way, not practicing today. Juju Juju Brents uh, back on the field. Let's begin with Braden Smith. When when with Braden Smith, you know, would you expect return and? I thought it was actually the left side of the line more so than the right, Joel, that really struggled with Cincinnati. But your thoughts? Yeah, well, Ber- Bernhard Ryman had had his first real rough game of the year. He, had, he and he kind of, you know, he 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 said that after the game too that Hendrickson got the best of him. But yes, he, he didn't have he didn't have a great game. I think I think the right side of the line and whether or not Braden Smith is going to, if he's not practicing today, I don't I don't think he's. I, my guess would be that he's probably not going to go, but. The, the the concern obviously against Pittsburgh is that TJ Watt typically plays against the right tackle, and Blake Freeland, um, well he has been I think better than most people expected, has not been he has not been anywhere near as good as Braden Smith has been when they played this year. Smith has been much better than Freeland when he's when he, when he's been in the lineup this year. So there there is reason to be concerned uh, if if Braden Smith well in in you know it sounds like Braden Smith won't be able to go. And. and- you know, when you talk about well, T.J. Watt, for that matter, is questionable as well, right? Like we don't we don't necessarily know that you're getting 100 percent of him, right? Yeah, that that whole situation has been kind of weird to try to pay attention to. There's a bunch of like pseudo concussion stuff and migraines, and I don't fully, I don't really know exactly what to expect from him. I'm kind of just waiting on the the actual injury report. But I mean, if he doesn't play, it changes the whole game. If he does play, obviously you're dealing with a – well, I mean, you know, the, the last time they played – I mean, obviously there's Hendrickson on Sunday had the big game, but, you know, they, they played Miles Garrett, and that did not go well for the Colts. And that's the kind of player that, that Watt is. So you, you worry about if he's on the field, um, you'd rather have Braden Smith out there. The following is kind of a moot point because of the fact that he is on the practice field, and I think at this point – we would say that we expect Juju Brents to be seen in the game against Pittsburgh, but were you surprised that that was delayed a week? Uh, I, I, at the end of last week, I did think that he was going to play. I was a little surprised. Um, but he, he also, you know, kind of said that he wasn't going to play unless he could really go. Obviously that's not a matchup um, against Jamar Chase where you feel like you're, um, you, you want to have somebody out there who's less than, than you know, fully confident in their in their legs. Um, but yeah, I I did think I. Well, I mean, I I did a, my things to watch that I do for the. I always try to put like a cult specific number on. It. I put twenty nine on it. I I thought that he was trending towards playing. The with Juju Brents, Joel. I, I think Joel Erickson of the Indianapolis Stars. Our guest. We're talking about the Colts and the Steelers. Colts back on the practice field right now. As a matter of fact, on the field, Juju Brents, EJ Speed. Uh, Jalen Jones, or I should say earlier today, they've, they've been out so far. Um, when you talk about Juju Brents, Joel, are we in our mind embellishing the impact that he may have because he hasn't been there? Does it fall into the category of like you, there's a revisionist history of a guy's value because he's not there and you go, well, if he was there, or have we seen enough in the very brief time that we've seen him to know? that in fact, as a rookie, he has already exceeded expectation and is a critical piece for them? I think, 
I think he's more of a critical piece because, um, because it, it you know it moves probably Daryl Baker out of the lineup than it does in terms of him being a a sort of frontline clear number one corner now. I I wonder too if, with him being out six weeks if we should be expecting some rust if we should be expecting maybe a rotation at first to try to get him back into it. I mean, six weeks, six games is a long time to be out. And I've been wondering the same thing now. And, and the other thing is he, he is still a rookie and we have not seen that much of him. He He's had a few mistakes in games that I think people have kind of forgotten about because he was injured and, and they wanted to see him back in the lineup. But there's, there's, there's going to be some rough spots there even once he gets back in the lineup. Now, the the question though is, how much better is he over who his replacement would be? And I think in that case, we'd probably see enough to think, you know, he's, he's going to do a better job, especially in the physicality department. Joel, would you call this a resurgence year for Kenny Moore? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, it, he's he last year, and they, they talked about this all offseason, but they, they really felt like he, – he really felt like he wasn't – being deployed the best way he can be deployed in the, in the scheme last year. And they kind of gave him some more chances. Um, I, he's, he's looked a lot more like Kenny. I thought this season. Um, and, and they've gotten him around the line of scrimmage a lot more, which is always a good thing. Um, it's always a good thing to have him around the line of scrimmage, just from a, a tackling standpoint, from a blitzing standpoint, um, Honestly, the first screen, if he doesn't get pushed in the back, it probably doesn't go for a touchdown. So um, he, he's not a guy who misses tackle very often. You know, it's interesting, Joel, as I was driving back, actually back from Milwaukee, I listened to the entire Colts-Bengals game on the Bengals radio version is what I got. And they were – I mean, they loved Kenny Moore. Literally, the, the Bengals radio broadcast – it's interesting to get the perspective of from a group that doesn't see him regularly, right? And the thing, quite frankly, that they taught, they kept mentioning about him was the kind of the ball hawk nature of him, of his ability, at least in their assessment, his speed ability to get to plays even if they aren't plays that were necessarily within his area. And, and that's something that, that probably speaks more than anything else to just the overall health of Kenny Moore, right? And then, Brennan, to your point – Kind of a redemption because he definitely a year ago, and I think he talked about, did he not, Joel, in camp, didn't Kenny Moore essentially say that some of the off-field stuff a year ago might have actually had impact on him in terms of just his focus overall? Yeah, he did. He did hint at that a little bit. He hinted at that. He definitely talked a lot about, like, after the season, he went in and and sat down with Gus Bradley and talked about his role and what it was going to be and, and talked to the defensive backs coach, Ron Milas. And, and what it was going to be and why he felt like it didn't fit. You know, the change in coordinators, that the last system that, that sort of Eberflus Tampa 2, like there's, there's nickels you can look at pretty easily in that system. Rondé Barber is the most obvious one to say, like, you know, that system highlights that position, whereas you don't necessarily have that as much in, in Gus Bradley's past. And I think that they realize, you know, this is something we're missing out on here. It, anything where you just have him around the ball, um, I think that they're probably, they're making a good point about that. For me, it's for me, it's even even more so than the interception stuff. It's just the line of scrimmage stuff. He he's almost like um, the way I think of Kenny is almost the way we think of like sort of the old school strong safeties 
in terms of, yes, you're going to get ball production and coverage production, but you just get you get so much at the line of scrimmage in the run game. Um, he takes away, essentially, the other team's ability to, to do a lot of, like, the, the, the quick throw or end around or sweep stuff that, that teams want to do to get their running backs, you know, out on the edge without a bunch of people around them. He just takes all that stuff away because he's so good at taking on blocks and getting through them and so good at tackling. Do you think, Joel, Joel Erickson, Indy Stauer, our guest, do you think in any way, or how, I guess I should say, and I know that you don't cover the Steelers, but just in kind of being around and and feeling out defensively the the mood or the tone for the Colts, how much different is Pittsburgh with Mitchell Trubisky than Kenny Pickett? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I really don't – I don't think it's going to be a ton. Um, you know, Pickett, Pickett was not having a good season at all. Um, the, the Steelers the Steelers are kind of a weird team to look at because they're seven and six. But in terms of trying to figure out, like, exactly what they do well, when you, when you start looking at the numbers and everything, it's kind of hard to tell. Uh, the one thing I can tell you they do really well is that they, they – they take the ball away from people a lot, and they don't turn it over much. They're plus 10 on the season. But other than that, like even their defensive numbers, like it's the Steelers, so you sort of automatically just think, well, they're definitely winning these games with defense because they've got these problems at quarterback. A lot of their yardage rankings are in the 20s. They're, they're down in the, you know, in the bottom half of the league. They just get so many turnovers that they've been able to win these games. You know, the, the Steelers – record against the Colts, Joel. I mean, it's unbelievable. We mentioned yesterday, yeah. uh, you know, only two quarterbacks have beaten Pittsburgh since they came, since the Colts came to Indianapolis, and that's Mike Pagel once and Peyton Manning, I think, twice. I mean, this is a team that, for whatever reason, and, and you kind of catch yourself, Joel, falling victim to that, and then you think about it and you go, look, I mean, you know, what what Barry Foster was able to do against the Colts 30 years ago means a hill of beans in this game, but it kind of feels like it, doesn't it? Yeah, it's kind of like – well, it's kind of like the Jacksonville thing where, like, you, you know, the, the, when the players say, like, it's a different year and a different team, like, I, I do buy into that and believe that that's true whenever they say that. Like, you just think about how different the teams have been this last – four or five years as they've been cycling through quarterbacks, like the just the Colts teams. And so I do buy into that. But then you have this weird stretch of games in Jacksonville where they just can't win. And it, it does make you wonder, like, is there something that goes along with it? Because you're right. If you're looking at this Steelers team, like, you should not be looking at this as the Steelers of, you know, Ben Roethlisberger. Um that going toe to toe with teams in the playoffs. Like, yes, they're in the playoff mix, but it, it almost feels like, how does Mike Tomlin have this have a team this bad in the playoff mix? And you know, when you look at it that way, it's like, okay, well, we probably shouldn't think about that stuff. But then there's this there's this weird nagging thing with Jacksonville and teams getting these weird streaks, and you wonder if there's there's something that we can't quantify about, you know when teams get in these weird schneids against teams they can't get out of it. By the way, how many cows make up a dairy farm? Oh, that's so that is a much different answer now than it used to be. So like when my dad was growing up, um you could do it with like 
I, I can't remember. I, I'm probably going to get some of these numbers wrong, but I think they had like 50 to 60 and then like up to 100 or whatever. But now, essentially, like the way my dad grew up and the way we tried to grow up, like those farms don't exist anymore. And now it's all just enormous, huge farms with thousands of cows. Um, basically, all of the smaller farms sold their land to the big farms and okay. the big farms. So, so what we're getting at here, Joel, let's, let's be honest. Okay. At one time, dairy farms like the Erickson farm with a little mom and pop joint on the town square. And then the Walmart farms came along and they've taken over all of it. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah. That's the simple, that's the simplified version. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. So, so there's no Erickson family farm anymore. There's not, there's not, I, I'm going to get the numbers wrong, but it's it's still it's it's something in this neighborhood. My dad said, like in the three counties where around us, there used to be like 75 or 80 farms 20 years ago, and now it's three. Really? Okay. Can you still milk a cow if you had to? Uh, yes, I do not want to at it's, all. There are machines that do it, right? Yeah. Well, that's yeah. We did it with machines. I can do it. Uh, I can do it the manual way, but we didn't do that growing up. We did it with machines. Now, were you aware when you were a kid growing up on a dairy farm in Wisconsin, were you aware of the milk connection to the Indianapolis 500? Uh, yes. Because? Not, I probably did, I probably didn't know, like, all of it, but, like, I was a voracious Sports Illustrated reader, so I knew that there was, I knew that they drank milk when they won. Okay, well, that's cool. Well, fair enough. And then lastly, um... I'm always impressed by this in Wisconsin. When when we were leaving, I went into Woodman's, which is the I was trying to tell the guys here. Oh, is it, speaking of Walmart, it's yeah, Brennan's been there. It's a grocery store that's three times the size of Walmart. And I think the most exciting thing about it is the the beer aisle at the Woodman's grocery store in Wisconsin is actually the size of a, an entire Kroger here in Indiana. Like it's amazing. Um, which New Glarus beer would you go with, Joel? Uh. Since it's winter now, I would go Fat Squirrel. <laughs> okay, that's right. Well, you know that, and that which is a brown ale, correct? It's a brown ale. Yeah. I, during the summer, so they've in the last, however, well, I can't. I don't know when exactly it came out, but they've come out with Cabin Fever, and that in the, when it's when it's warmer outside, I'm I'm more of a Cabin Fever person. But once it starts to get cold, you want a little bit more flavor in it. Let's go with the. Let's go with the, the fat squirrel. Well, I had cabin fever by three fifteen because it got dark at a quarter after two when I was up there. But you know, <laughs> hey, Joel, appreciate the time as always, and and remember this: PBR is your friend all year long, right? That's true. That's very true. <laughs> you could not have said that better. That's right. All right, Joel, appreciate the time. Yep. Thanks for having me on, uh, Joel Erickson, thanks, on the hotline here. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. The 2 o'clock hour is underway. My name is Jake Quarry, Brennan King in for Jimmy Cook 
Eddie Garrison flying the controls for us here today on Query and Company, 93.5-1075. The fan, thank you for being a part of it. That includes our next guest, who has been a longtime radio friend, friend in general, but one of the most talented writers from central Indiana, of course, wrote for years for the Star before moving to the Athletic and covering the Colts, now a all-encompassing writer for the Athletic. Zach Kiefer joins us. And, Zach, before we get to the core reasoning for the conversation today, I will begin with this because I know you are now a traveling man. Are you in Indy or are you on assignment elsewhere? I'm in Indy, Jake. So I've been, been all over the world, including Germany, earlier this season. But good to be back home for the holidays in Indy right now. Okay, let's get to your latest piece and the reason that we are having you on. I, I personally think aside from this exact moment of the two of us sharing the airwaves, what you wrote about is probably the greatest moment in the history of Sports Talk Radio in Indianapolis, right? Or certainly the most notorious or most infamous. Uh, Take me through your latest project. Yeah, it's got to be, right, Jake? Um, No, to be clear, I wrote this about a year ago, but it just got pulled up, you know, yesterday because it was the anniversary, right? This has got to be the most infamous moment in sports radio history in this city. And I know you are probably better equipped to answer that, JMV. But we have an NFL general manager and Bill Polian. This is December of 2001. Screaming at a comedian in Jay Moore, who at this point was known for being a stand-up comic and the guy in Jerry Maguire, about the knee of the Indianapolis Colts star running back, Edger and James. I mean... This kind of thing just wouldn't happen today. It couldn't happen today. But if it did, it would probably break the Internet. And I would encourage anybody out there who doesn't believe me to listen to the audio. I have the entire audio of this interaction in the story. Now, I have it all transcribed. You can read it, but reading it does not do it justice. It is a surreal moment. And I was able to catch up with Mark Patrick, who was the host of this show. Now, he didn't do a whole lot of talking because he wasn't able to because the two, Jay Moore and Bill Pullen, were screaming at each other. But um, an absolutely surreal moment. And I had heard, you know, I heard rumors about it. I had heard a little bit about it from Mike Chappell, who was obviously covering the team then and still is now. But to hear it audio-wise, audio it's, just, it's, it's just absolutely stunning. You just don't see or hear this type of thing anymore. I think, and so let me give the backdrop here, Zach, for people that, that may not yeah. have been around then. Or, or we're not actively following the Colts, you know, whatever it may be. But in 2001, in a game in, I believe, Arrowhead Stadium, Edron James suffered a knee injury. He had been the league's leading rusher for what, Zach, his first two years in the league, and this was year three? I think that's right. Correct. Um, and so, and of course, Dominic Rhodes came in as an undrafted free agent and finished the season with 1,000 yards, but the Colts went sub-500. So it was, it was kind of this dicey time in general for the Colts, but... Yeah. You so Edron James had the knee injury and they were figuring out the process, not unlike with Jonathan Taylor or other players today, of how they were going to handle surgery, the timing, etc. And Jay Moore, who called himself the Slam Man, was kind of a recurring character on the Jim Rome show, and he went on Jim Rome's show and said that the Colts had made Edron James practice with the knee injury which moved it from like a knee sprain to a to more complicating the injury. 
And Bill Polian took exception to that and called Mark Patrick's show, in which point Patrick then set up, or John, because JMV was the producer for Mark Patrick on sports on WNDE at that time, and set up for Polian and Jay Moore to come on together for a quote-unquote <laughs> discussion. And I think Jay Moore kind of took it that way. It's like he was going to have this discussion, and I'll give Jay Moore credit. He didn't really back down to it. Um, but Polian was less interested in having a discussion and more interested in having a lecture. Fair to say? Man, I can't even talk about this without laughing. It's the like, best. I just I just read the story again, and I listened to it. And No, that's that's fair. I mean, so they had basically been trading barbs because – Initially, it was a knee sprain, and then Edgerin was questionable for the following week's game. They didn't play, and they tried to practice him, and it didn't work out, and he was you know, kind of like in this limbo state of like not on IR. His season wasn't over, but he wasn't able to practice. And then the Colts played in Miami, and Edgerin wasn't there, wasn't on the sideline. And, and I get it, he's injured, but it's his hometown, and you kind of thought that he would be playing. And that's when Jay Moore's statement kind of made the rounds from Jim Rome's show that like, Edgerin's pissed off at the Colts. He doesn't like Ursay. They've made him practice when he was hurt, and he shredded two more ligaments. So that's when the rumbling started to spread about his displeasure with the Colts. Now, none of that was true. And Ursay, or excuse me, Polian, was irate. And people that know that worked for the Colts at that time, this was not unusual. Bill Polian would get heated. I mean, heated. And I have heard stories, Jake, I'm sure you've heard, this is probably the most public instance. And so Pauline was very upset about all this. I understand that the Colts reputation was on the line, right? They're making their star running back practice when he's hurt, right? Like I get Pauline's anger, but it's set up for this surreal moment that we just don't, we don't get this kind of theater anymore because, you know, GMs don't go on radio shows and get into arguments with comedians. Like what happened? But um, Jay Moore couldn't even get a word in. Like he couldn't even get a word in, when he finally did get on the air with Pauline, but the famous line he did get in was, you, sir, are a madman. <laughs> Those, you, sir, are a madman. No one, no wonder your, or, your franchise is in total disarray. I believe that was the other part of the equation, right? Right, and, and, and this was the one bad year the Colts had like after they got going, right? So they won 13 games Edgerin's first year, and they made the playoffs the next year. And then he got hurt, and they weren't the same team, and they went 6-10 and 10 in 2001. Now, that was the last losing season they had with Peyton until, God, the neck, you know, in 2011. But, no, they were in a, in a very difficult season. They were struggling. They got beat like 40-6 to six in Miami that night. So things weren't good at Indianapolis, and this did not help. Zach, let me tell you something. And I think most people know what we're talking about by now, but the best part of the whole thing, and there are several parts of it that are fabulous, and everybody's got to go – to the Athletic and Czak's article just to listen to it, even if you've heard it. A th- it's, it's literally, if you've heard it a thousand times, you got to make it a thousand and one. But yeah. I thought the best part of it was this. Okay, so hear me out, Zach. So at the beginning of it, Patrick gives the floor to Pullian. And Pullian has the radio transcript of Jay Moore's allegation that he had said to Jim Rome. So Pullian goes, let me read for you what was said on the radio program. Hey, Romy, dude. And then then he stops, Zach, and says, I'm quoting here. 
Like, like as if there was question that he might. <laughs> no, I thought Bill Pullian would say that. You know what I mean? <laughs> but he, he's trying to be a lawyer. Like he's trying to be civil, and it totally. just evolves like within like two minutes. Totally. And, and now, let me ask you this, Zach. Do you think? And I don't know the answer to this. And and if this was mentioned in your piece, because you'd mentioned it was like a year ago, I, and I apologize if I don't recall. Did Jay Moore and Bill Polian ever discuss that? Did they ever like? Did the two of them ever like have a truce or mend fences at all, or or even cross paths? What do you think, Jake? Like, let's be honest here. Like, did Bill Polian forgive and forget? No. Um, I got Bill Polian on the phone for this, and I asked him, and he said, "I stand by everything I said." I said, "Okay, okay." <laughs> I'm going to quote you on that. And you don't I, have a shred of evidence. His, he's de- yeah, exactly. He's defending his team. He's defending his doctors. I get that. Wasn't the most professional way of doing that. I get it. But here's the funny thing. So, like, this story comes out, and then, like, you know, someone tags Jay Moore on Twitter. And I, I didn't do it, but somebody tagged him. Like, this is an amazing moment. Seven or eight months later, I get a tweet from Jay Moore. And he's like, everything I said was true. So, like, this is 2021, 2022, so, like, I don't know what Jay Moore's up to these days, but, like, he still stands on what he said. Now, the facts are, and I've, you know, talked to Edrin about this, the facts are, no, he, he like, Jay Moore got the agent wrong, he got the diagnosis wrong, there were certainly things that he got wrong. But he's, like, doubling down on the fact that, like, what he heard, the Colts making Edrin practice before he was hurt, like, this is crazy. Like 20 years later, both of them are standing on what they said in this crazy radio interview, and they're not backing down at all. Well, you know, Zach, part of the, to be fair, I guess vindication for Bill Polian would be the fact that it would be, you would be, and I think this is fair to point out, you would be hard pressed to find any player of the Edron James era that has a greater post playing career relationship with the franchise of the Indianapolis Colts and the brass of the Indianapolis Colts than Edron James. Yeah. Starts with the owner. He's very, very close. And, and that's, and if you recall, Jay Moore, times, he's my best friend. Yeah. Like, and Jay Moore says thing. in the interview, Edron James is not a fan of Ursay. Clearly that was, that was off base. Yeah. Edron James went in the hall of fame a couple of years ago. And who did he choose to present him at his induction? I mean, he could have picked a college coach, could have picked Tony Dungy, could have picked a teammate. He chose Jim Mercy. Now that says something. I think Jay Moore heard something on a sideline or in a locker room or in a conversation with somebody and he ran with it. And the sad thing is in journalism these days, we don't know the difference between journalism and just complete fabrication. Yeah, and commentary, or, right? And and that's the reality. And and I think Polian just snapped but it is a it is an unbelievable moment i heard that the sports writers covering the colts at that time were all listening to the radio live like obviously you have to pay attention to what's going on but the more it devolved they were just having i mean they were just cracking up at the colts facility listening to this it had to just be a surreal moment i would love to hear from people who listen to this live because you expect it to get a little tense but to get off the rails like this it was a pretty historic moment for radio hey Romy, dude, I'm quoting here. And then, quote, unquote. I mean, there were so many parts of it. And poor Mark and John both, I mean, were just, I I say poor, you know, 
you it had to be a dichotomy for both those guys because part of you is like, oh my gosh, this is absolute radio gold, and then the other part is, holy cow, like our radio station is burning around us, right? I mean, it was just it was that surreal. But you know, Zach, I'll tell you something interesting. Polian to me, I, I thought Polian's teams were hard to cover. I thought he was difficult. Um, he was stubborn a lot. It's it's disingenuous for me to say that I was on the front lines like you have been, for example, as a daily beat writer. I was not that. I was a general sports assignment reporter for Channel 6 at the time. So it was just one of many things that I had to cover. But I remember one time I ran a story where I ran a soundbite from Reggie Miller talking about Mike Vanderjat, and Reggie Miller laughed and called him the idiot kicker, which was, of course, quoting Peyton Manning. Exactly. And the, and the next day when I woke up, shockingly, at like noon – I had like four voicemails from the general manager of the television station at Channel 6, Don Lundy, who's no longer with us, unfortunately. But And Don Lundy's like, you got to come into the office immediately. And I came in, and they said, Bill Polian called here and is going to revoke your credential. You're never allowed to cover the Colts again. And I'm like, wait a minute, what? Why? And they said, because you ran a soundbite from Reggie Miller in your story making fun of Mike Vanderjat. And Polian insisted on a handwritten letter of apology – and also for me to facilitate an apology from Reggie Miller to the Colts franchise and organization. And I'm like, are you kidding? Now, it blew over. None of those things took place, and it blew over and whatever. But years later, Zach, when I interviewed Bill Pullian once, I had mentioned that that I probably was too hard on him, but I thought he was difficult. And he actually admitted to the fact that he was way too stubborn at times and way too demanding of people at times. But I think that was talking about people that were around his franchise, and he took exception with Jay Moore because he saw him as like an outside interloper. Does that make sense? Yeah, and isn't that a fascinating window into how he thought back then? Like, without a doubt, one of the greatest personnel men in, in, in NFL history. He's in the Hall of Fame for a reason. He built he built this whatever you want to call it this great dynasty run for the Colts. Even though it had one championship, they won seven. Seven straight years with 12 wins. He built that team, and it was more than just the quarterback. But I have heard stories over the years that just make you think, why did you care about this stuff so much? Like, your team was winning, and why were the Colts so difficult to cover? I mean, we've all heard this the story. You know, he called Bob Kravitz, my former colleague, a rat on the air. Like, that's just that's just inhumane. Like, that's just unnecessary. And there's a story years ago at a Colts training camp practice, when they were a Super Bowl contender, national folks were in town to write about Peyton and Marvin, et cetera, and Polian banned the reporters from taking notes during practice. Like, they couldn't have a notepad and a pen to write down, like, Peyton, you know, hit Marvin for this touchdown. The same thing that every fan in Anderson or Rose Holman, wherever it was, was seeing. So Bob joked that he was going to prick his finger and use the blood to take notes because he couldn't use a pen, which I thought was a pretty good line. But the, the war with the local media, I just don't understand it. They were, they were a great team to cover with great guys. Peyton, Tony, I don't need to go down the list. Great human beings. They represented the city well. Why have such interest and why go to war with the media on such minuscule things? Now, look, I covered the team for a long time. I didn't always get along with Chris Ballard. I didn't always get along with Ryan Grigson, but it was always civil and it was always fair. And I feel like Polian made things personal. And that story you just told was a little snippet into just how petty that man could well, be. You know, he's admitted to me in recent years that, that he took it over the line sometimes. 
Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Like I remember one year, well, first off, before they had, and this is, look, first world problems here. I mean, we are very fortunate. Zach Kiefer of The Athletic is our guest. We're very fortunate to get access to the team and to be able to cover games and all those things. I totally understand that. Um, and, and with that comes some understanding of, of that privilege of a respect level that comes with it. But I remember, and it wasn't all the time, it was only for like a year or two there, but Polian thought that there was a leak within the franchise of somebody that was giving out information or telling things going on. So when you would go to cover the team, I remember once having to use the bathroom and I'm walking to the men's room near the media center and one of the PR staff is following me. Yep. And I'm like, no, I, I know where the bathroom is. I've been here before. I'm like, well, we have to escort you and, and wait for you to make sure that you're not deviating and going down any hallways you're not supposed to. I mean, it was like Sounds KGB level stuff, stuff, right? And then right. ultimately, that that when they were renovating, they were renovating the media area on West 56, and they put in portalettes in the parking lot, and that was for the media to use. If you had to use the bathroom instead of going into the building, you had to go out in the parking lot in the portalette. And in January, it was like eight degrees outside. And you're like, come on, man, really? But I, I get it. I think that a lot of these guys, Zach, are wired in a way that they not all. But they have to have control of all areas. Like to be in control of, of the minuscule thing is to be in control of the biggest of things. And there's no separating in their mind. And I get that. And there's there's a method to that madness. I, I think for Polian, what is really interesting, and you tell me if you disagree, Zach Kiefer, but to me with Polian, what is really interesting was as great as he was and as Hall of Fame level as he was and as brilliant as he was, the second that there was an inkling or an out for Jim Irsay to exercise to separate from Bill Polian, he exercised it. He really only got one. He never got a, a pass. The second that they finally had a bad year in the Curtis Painter season, instead of saying, look, in totality of work, this guy is still really good, Irsay decided at that point to immediately move on. And to me, that has been very telling about just how exhausting at times he could be. Yeah, I think that's all fair. And body of work being what it was, remarkable, right? We've talked about that. Totally, yep. But it, it wasn't just Bill Polian. It was his son, Chris Polian, who was fired as well. And a little bit of a snippet into that. And this is another remarkable story that Jim Irsay told me a couple of years ago. Remember, Peyton was trying to come back that season and play. Now, this sounds ridiculous, but this is Peyton Manning we're talking about. He wanted to play. Colts were out of the playoffs. They were 1-10, whatever. He didn't care. He wanted to play. He wanted to prove this was still his team. So Peyton stages this practice one night at the facility, and it's completely him, right? He goes behind Jim Caldwell's back, and he gets, like, Jeff Saturday and Reggie Wayne and, like, Dallas Clark to come out to the facility and practice 
to see if he could play. His plan, and this sounds ridiculous, but it's true, was to be the red zone quarterback. Dan Orlovsky was the Colts quarterback at that time, late in that season. The plan was for Orlovsky to play in between the 20s, and then when they got to the red zone, if they got to the red zone, Peyton would take over. Now, this seems absurd, and it was never going to happen, but that was Peyton's plan. Bill Polian didn't even know about the plan. So Bill Polian finds out he's absolutely incensed. He calls Ursay that night, and he threatens to quit. Right. I mean, right there on the spot, he's going to quit. Ursay talks him down. Ursay talks to the doctors and says, under no circumstances is Peyton practicing right now with a compromised neck. So things were really, really bad, really, really bad. And I know Mike Chappell and Bob Kravitz, my colleagues, longtime colleagues, can, can share more about just how bad it was behind the scenes in 2011. But Jim Ursay knew. He knew that last game in Jacksonville when Maurice Jones got that first down to essentially seal the game and you know, clinch the Colts' top pick in the draft, that being Andrew Luck, he knew Bill Polian was going to go. So it just got really bad at the end. It's good that that's a footnote in Bill Polian's career because it was such an unbelievable career, you know, Carolina, Buffalo, Indianapolis. But, boy, things were bad at the end. You're right about that. Zach, somebody just texted me this, and and I personally think this is minority opinion, but it's an interesting one, so I want to share it. Uh, hey, Jake, I was listening when this whole interview happened between Polian and Moore, and as a Colts fan, I was so proud of Bill. The Colts was getting tons of negative press, plus us Colts fans thought we were going to lose edge. To me, it was a sinister move by Jay, to say the least. I think that's a minority opinion. I think there were a lot of people that were embarrassed by it. What say you? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's, the, that's the overwhelming sentiment I got. There's nothing wrong with Bill Polian standing up for his team, his doctors, his player, obviously, but the way he handled it, it, it just did not come off well. Now, Jake, you know what you got to do? You got to get Craig Kelly on the air, right? The, the stories Craig Kelly could tell, he was a man. longtime PR man. The stories he could tell, that would break the internet right now. I don't think he can tell them. That's the sad part. But the stories he could tell from dealing with Ursay and Polian and even Peyton during those years, man, that, that would be some good stuff. But, look, there's nothing wrong with Polian getting on and calling out Jay Moore for what he is, right? He's just sharing a rumor he heard that's, you know, 30% true, maybe even less. Um, but the fact that he attacked him and, and made it into theater was just – I don't think that was a good look. I don't think that was a good look. You know what I've always found fascinating, Zach? And I don't know the answer to this, and I'm not even trying to be presumptuous. And then I want to ask you a couple of questions about, you know, what you got going on outside of the Colts. But – this always fascinated me. Why in this market, and I don't know the answer. I really don't. Why in this market were we blessed to have two very good general managers, both guys that grew up near one another in suburban New York City, on the north end of New York, near the Bronx, in Bill Polian and Donnie Walsh. Both of them very good at what they did. Bill Polian brought a Super Bowl. Donnie Walsh brought an Eastern Conference championship to the Pacers. Both were essentially of the same era of one another and are men of essentially the same age. Why did we all have to call Bill Polian, even by our own choice? I don't know that Polian ever mandated it as such, but why did we call Bill Polian Mr. Polian and we called Donnie Walsh Donnie? Boy, I think that goes to the personality, right? I mean, Mr. Polian, that's, Mr. Polian is the most repetitive phrase you hear in this crazy radio transcript, right? It is is Jay Moore trying to get a word in and say Mr. Polian over and over and getting nowhere. I don't know Donnie Walsh as well as you do, but he's always been so incredibly kind to me. When I was covering the Pacers, I would just 
walk down and sit courtside with him while the players were warming up, and he would just tell me stories of the old days, ABA, Reggie, all that stuff. I don't think that was going to happen with Bill Polian. Now, I have a good relationship with him now, and every time I need him for a story or a comment, you know, he gets back to me within a couple of weeks. But, you know, it's usually about one of his players that's going in the Hall of Fame, so it's not like covering him right. day to day. But, man, the, the stories that Chap can tell about it, just the craziest part to me, Jake, is this team was good. They were really good, and they had good guys, and there were hardly any controversies, right? They didn't have guys getting arrested. You know, they had their playoff moments and losses, but that's football, right? I mean, they, the here's the thing, though, Zach. They had them, maybe not to the level of other franchises. They had them, but what the Colts had masterfully done, to your point, is created the perception of a culture. So when Dominic Rhodes or Monte Rager or yeah. Nick yeah. Harper or, or guys like that, you know, or Mustafa Muhammad, when they had legal altercations, it was automatically ingested as the anomaly. Yeah, and and it's just it's just fascinating that there's a war with the media. Usually that happens when the franchise is a train wreck, correct? And the coach correct. is an idiot, and they're lying to us, and right, like. Heck, I covered more soap opera stuff in, in seven years on the beat than Chap did in the 15 years that Manning was here, et cetera. But I, I, like, I just don't get that. And they, like, Pullen wouldn't even come out and talk to the media after the Super Bowl loss to the Saints. Like, he just refused. And, it, you know, technically, the executive has to go talk. So it's just, it's just a strange situation. But, again, endlessly, I'm fascinated. And, and, and they give us some great stories to tell. By the way, Jay Moore is now married to Jeannie Buss. Did you know that, of the Lakers? Goodness, I did not know yeah, that. So just recently, I think. Bill Jackson to Jeannie Buss. Wow. To, yeah. to Jay Moore. Yeah. So, um, well, then he doesn't need to work at all. There you go. <laughs> he's, he's just, he's now suddenly a part owner of the Lakers, right? I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a nice, you way know, what would be great? Into... What would be great is if in the turnabout is fair play category, if something happens with the Lakers and Bill Pullian is able to say to Jay Moore, no wonder your franchise is in complete disarray with you at the helm, Mr. Moore. Which is essentially what, would, what Jay Moore said to Pullian. What I would pay to see them in a room right now, because I don't think either of them have moved on. Now, they live different lives, but if you get them talking about this conversation, I don't think either of them are backing down. I would agree with that. I would agree with that. Uh, I remember once on radio, probably not my finest moment, calling Bill Pullian Bill Napoleon, and it did not it did not go over well. That was not well received. But Yeah, um, how did he respond to that one? Uh, I think actually... He did not. I mean, he didn't directly, but poor Craig Kelly. Craig Kelly, who was as nice a human being as anybody could find, who was the longtime chief lieutenant of media and public relations for the Colts that came from Baltimore and was just a dear hearted soul. And towards the end there, I think, was just kind of writing out his time. And I think that Craig Kelly knew that Bill Polian at times was unreasonable. Not all the time, but at times. And so. I think there might have been a phone call or a "Hey, cool it" or you know that a slap on the wrist. It pro- it was not a professional move by me, admittedly. And I you know in the moment, I said it in the moment. It was when they pulled everybody off the floor or off the field against the Jets, and then probably shouldn't have said it. But uh, Zach Key for the Athletic, our guest. Zach, what other things are you working on, and how much do you are you involved with, kind of facilitating coverage for the Colts or or overseeing it? Because clearly, from a national perspective. They are not necessarily the mainline story that they they have been in years past, but you're doing a lot of different assignments. So what other things are you working on? Yeah, I got a good trivia question for you right now uh, based on the story I just filed. Who is the oldest player in the league right now? That's what I just wrote about. Any idea? 
oldest player in the National Football League. Um, is no it no longer a, Tom Brady? Is it a marquee player? Is my question for you. Uh, offensive lineman. It's a name you've heard, but it's probably not something that comes to the top of the mind. In the case of a lineman, I'm just going to go ahead and punt. Pardon the pun, because I would have guessed probably a kicker or a special teams player. But hit me with. Do you have a guess, Brennan? You know, I was going to say Mercedes Lewis. Okay, but Eddie, you got a guess? I, I, you know, now that you say it, offensive lineman. But Eddie, you got a guess? No. Go ahead, Zach. Jason Peters, who's oh, wow. in his twentieth year. Like I, I thought he'd retired. And I found out that he was still playing, and he's on his fourth team in four years. He plays for the Seahawks. He's 41, and he's playing pretty well. He did as well as you can imagine against Miles Garrett a couple weeks ago. So the story's kind of crazy. Like, he started in the league as a tight end. He was way too big to be a tight end. You know, a lot of people thought, and this is what teams told him at the Combine, you're one hamburger away from being out of the league. So it's remarkable that he lasted in the league, let alone lasted for 20 years. So that's kind of the story I'm working on now. I've got – the more in the works. But basically, Jake, what I do is I go find the most interesting stories out there. That's what I try to do. Um, it doesn't matter what team. It doesn't matter what city. Um, and that's the great thing about the NFL is there are tons of characters. There's tons of stories to dig into. So not a lot of Colts as of right now, but I've got some coming as we get towards January. When you were in Germany, were you there for the Colts? Obviously, it was in Frankfurt, right? You were there the yeah. week before the Colts, right? Was it Dolphins, Chiefs? Yes, it was Dolphins Chiefs. I was essentially writing about the Dolphins that week, Tyreek Hill playing against his former team. Okay. If I always ask this to people that, that travel to places outside of the United States, Zach. If you were to take somebody like myself, I've never been to Germany, okay? If you were to blindfold me, put me on an airplane, give me an ambience so I have zero idea how long I'm on the plane, get me out of the airplane, put me in a car, drive me out to the suburbs right outside of Frankfurt where I can't see signs that say what city I'm in. If I were to look around and look at the topography around me and the vegetation and et cetera, assuming I thought I was in the United States, instead of Frankfurt or outside Frankfurt, Germany, I would think that I was where in the U.S.? Pittsburgh. Okay. That's just that's just the first city that came to mind. I've only been to Pittsburgh five or six times. It's always for a Colts game. It's always for a Colts loss. And I'm sure you guys will get into that when they play the Steelers. Like how many times the Steelers have beaten the Colts in a row? It's, it's kind of wild. But um, cool city. Um, kind of you know, hilly? Is it like hilly around it? Yeah, it's hilly. I mean, there's not a big yellow bridge, obviously. Right. But um, it was great. Everyone was super, super nice. Everyone spoke English. Almost everyone did, which made it easy. The stadium experience was very wild. Like cigarette smoke everywhere. Now there, you know how in the in the U.S. it's like you can only buy beer through three quarters, and they shut it off. That was not the case here. The German fans were loving it. A very very distinct. Yeah, yeah. In Germany, you can deal. only buy three quarts. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, they had they had no problem drinking all the beer the stadium had that day. It was it was fun to see. Uh, all right, Zach Kiefer from The Athletic. And again, the audio is embedded within the story on the look back of Jay Moore and Bill Pullian, correct? Yes, the whole 16 or 17 minutes. The best radio, no offense to your show, no offense to anyone's show, the best radio you'll hear today. It's unbelievable. To no, I mean, there's no doubt about it. It's the, it is the most surreal moment in Indianapolis radio history. There's no doubt about it. I mean, it, the most surreal television moment, totally different animal would have been Tony Caritzis, and then some of the phone calls that were made to Fred Heckman at WIBC from a news standpoint would be, in a real-life implication standpoint, would be the most bizarre. But 
From a sports standpoint, nothing competes, no doubt about it. Zach, always a pleasure, man. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. All right, Zach Kiefer of The Athletic.